6. Now, if you've been in here for the last, I don't know how many weeks, we've been talking about honor. We're going to talk about it again today. And then next Sunday, we're going to do something really, really, really special. We're going to take the communion elements together, and we're going to uh, serve communion to ones and allow you to partake of communion as families. And I believe God's going to do some things. Get your faith out there, and things happen when we begin to honor Jesus. Now, we've talked about honor, like I said. Proverbs 18.12 and Proverbs 15.33 say this. Before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. And I think we really need to get that in our, our hearts in every area of our lives. Now, many times I believe that we desire God's blessing and God's favor. And I think a lot of times that's released when we begin to honor. It's the reward of promotion. And honor is revealed in your actions, your attitudes, your obedience, and even your willingness. And so, you know, uh, I'm not going to have you turn there, but in Romans 12, it talks about that we're called to behave like Christians. Actually, it's verse 9 and 10. And one of the parts in there, to behave like a Christian, in verse 10, it says we're to prefer one another. We're to honor each other, but we're to prefer one another. Well, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then Jesus went out from there, and he came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, are, are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Now, I'm not talking about offense. We've been talking about that a little bit on uh, Wednesday nights. But if you'll notice here, they begin to, to talk about Jesus. It said they begin to say this, and they got offended at Jesus. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? And it's very easy as human beings to get offended at other people because I'm going to tell you, the Bible specifically warns us not to do that. Matthew 24, 10 says, It will be one of the signs of the end times. Many will be offended. I see this more and more, and offense is a stumbling block to yourself. It will literally cause you to drown in life. You've got to get rid of those offenses, okay? Don't let that happen. Now, if you were here on Wednesday night, I showed a video of a guy, and he talked about the new F word in the church is forgive. Now, you've got to be careful with that. And so in his description, he said, look at your neighbor and say, F you. Forgive you, okay? I just believe he was trying to get a hold of that to get in our hearts. We've got to walk in forgiveness. I can't take offense. I had a lady the other day tell me, she said, Pastor, every time I look at Facebook, I get offended. You know what I said to her? I got a solution for that. Quit turning to Facebook. Quit going there if you can't handle it. And so areas in our life, I got to get rid of this. And so they were offended at Jesus. And look what happens in verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and he healed them. Now, when you read this, guys, there's a huge difference between he wouldn't and he couldn't. 
Wouldn't means that he withheld. But couldn't means he was restrained. Something restrained Jesus for doing uh, what he desired to do. What was the restraining? They didn't honor him. They did not honor Jesus. And so even right here when you begin to read this, that it, it was shown in their words and it was shown in their behaviors. The word dishonor means not to value. To treat as ordinary. Now when I look at Jesus' end result there in verse 6, it said, and he marveled. And he marveled. He wondered. He was amazed because of this because Jesus knew he came to earth to do some things, but the very things he wanted to do, he couldn't because of a lack of honor. Now go with me to the book of, of Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter 10. Do you begin to see, guys? We've got to honor him. We've got to honor him in our praise and worship. We've got to honor him in our lifestyles. We've just got to begin to honor him. Now, we're going to shift gears here a little bit, and you're going to get some more of, of what Jesus, he, he asked each one of us to do. And I think right here he's wanting to soak us in honor. Look with me starting in verse 10. We're in Matthew 10, I mean verse 40. Matthew 10, verse 40. He who receives, welcomes, accepts you, receives me. Now think about that just for a minute. That when I receive, I welcome, or I honor Chris, he just said it's as if I honor Jesus. And I think many times we haven't looked at other people in that sight. We just look at everybody, well, you're just common. You're just ordinary, but I believe we need to learn to honor like he said. And so then he takes it a step farther. He who, who honors you honors me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. So in essence, Jesus is telling me that when I receive and I honor Chris, it's as if I honor Jesus, and it's as if how Jesus was honored by Father God. It begins to trigger something on the inside. Get this, verse 41. And he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall what? Receive a prophet's reward. Now I want you to hold tight to this thought again. Remember, when you honor what God said to honor, there is a blessing. This is what this is talking about. When I honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, it releases a blessing. Now let me give you a little story here that happened. There was a minister of America, a U.S. minister, who went into Africa. And upon arriving in Africa, the people of this church begin to honor him. They begin to speak just wonderful things to him. They would come up him and they would literally bow before him. They would take wash pans and wash his, his hands. And then they begin to wash his feet. This American minister looked at this African pastor and said, I don't like them doing that. Tell them to quit. The African uh, pastor responded, Are you the man of God? And he said, Yeah. And he said, You've got to understand this. The people in my church understand honor. And they realize when they honor you as a prophet, it releases God to do what He wants to do. So he began to let them. And you know what he said? 
He said, I saw the hand of God move in such a tangible way. I saw miracles. I saw salvations. I saw people get healed. You know what this minister said? People in America, we don't honor. We don't understand honor. And every time I think of that passage, I think of this. What happens in our lives? What happens in our churches that God's wanting to do because we withheld honor and we dishonor people? God's never allowed to do that. It's never released. You know, they say the greatest honor in America is in our military. And get this, in our prisons. That people that are incarcerated, they understand honor. What would happen if we begin to honor? I want you to think of that thought there. Now look what he says next in verse 41. And he receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So when we begin to honor other people just because they're people, there's a reward. Now this may help you this morning. I asked the Lord to do this for me many, many times. Father God, help me to see people through your eyes. Help me to see people through Jesus' tears. Here's a question you need to ask yourself. How valuable is that little bus boy that will clean your table today? How valuable is the, the little waitress that will wait on you? How valuable is the checker you'll see today? How valuable? Can I answer that? Valuable and precious enough for Jesus to die for him. Now when I think in that terms, it changes the way I view people. Instead of just looking at people as ordinary and common, I look at them and think, Jesus wonderfully and fearfully created them. They're a product of God. And there's a reward when I go through this and begin to, to live by this. You know, I may be a little old-fashioned, but I, I still have great honor for elderly people. It was part of my heritage growing up. I'm going to tell you guys right now, if I ever dishonored someone older, man, my dad would pop me. And it's easy for me to honor older people, but I don't see that that much anymore. I see it leaving. You know what that's a result of? We hadn't taught it in our homes. We hadn't instructed her. You'll honor them. I said this in the first service. I, I had to go to some meetings over in Clovis last night, and, and uh, I got around a lady that was 86 years old. I'm telling you, the life of God, she was just a busybody. I said, how old are you? And she said, 86. And I said, I know some of your children. I said, how many kids do you have? Ten. I said, <laughs> she had ten kids. She has grandkids, she has great-grandkids, she is now on great-great-grandkids. And it was easy for me to honor. I cherished the moment just to sit there and let her tell me stories. I believe, guys, this is what God wants us to do, to bring back honor. Now look how it shifts in verse 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple... I surely, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now, it's interesting right there. He tells me, I can lose my reward. And if you look in verse 41 twice, he said, when we receive a prophet, we receive. When we receive a righteous man, we receive. But in verse 42, he said, when you give, when you give. 
See, I believe there's times in my life that when people are entrusted to our authority or they're viewed lower than us, even in society's standards, I'm to give. What am I supposed to give? The heart of a servant. Jesus said, I came to serve instead of being served. And so Jesus understood honor. But something happens right here that if I never give out, I lose my reward. See, it all surfaces around honor. Whether we're honoring Father God, the Lord Jesus, whether it's ministry gifts, whether it's other people, whether it's your spouse, whether it's children, honor and obey your parents, something happens. I believe we've got to be marinated in honor. Now go with me into the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 16. As I begin to study this, I thought, let me, Lord, have great biblical examples of, of kingdom honor. I don't know that I couldn't found a better one than this. Now, let me paraphrase what's going on here. Father God, he, he's upset with a man named King Saul. And he says to this prophet named Samuel, Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse the Bethlehemite's house, and I want you to anoint the next king. So obviously in, New Test in Old Testament uh, uh, thoughts, the oldest was the one that would be honored. Well, they marched his son Eliab in there. And look, look what's said in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for the Lord looks at the outward, or for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, whether you want to realize this or you think about this or not, God's seeing every one of our hearts right now. He sees what's in there. And I believe this with, with all my heart that it is quite possible to put up a good front and still have a lousy heart. It'll catch you in time. It'll catch you in time. So in this passage here, he brings in his next son named Abinadab. He brings in the next son, Shama. And before long, he prays all seven sons in there, and, and nothing's happened. So Samuel looks at Jesse and says, is there any more? And you know what he says? There's one little snotty-nosed one, and he's out tending to the sheep. You know what he says right there? He's pretty insignificant. Look what happens here in verse 12. Same chapter. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. This is my boy right here. God looks at the heart. Now you know what this is with David? This is called potential. You know what potential is? Existing in possibility not in act. And so when we get anointed by God in certain areas, you have kingdom potential, but you're going to have to walk that stuff out. And I like to say it this way. Gifts are given, but character is developed. I believe one of the greatest character that needs to be developed in each one of us is honor. Now look over into 1 Samuel chapter 24. And the reason I say that, guys is honor that something, you've got a purpose in your heart. When I purpose in my heart, I'm going to honor Chris just because he's a man. I'm going to tell you guys, it begins to develop character in me. Now think about this, when you, you have character rising up in you, you begin to catch the heart of God. 
God's a God of character. He loves character. But character isn't developed in a thing called microwave maturity. Character is developed in the crock pots of life. The slow cookers of life. How do you know that? You study this passage here, guys. David was anointed to be the king at 17. But he didn't walk in that until he was almost 30 years old. What do you think he was doing that time? Developing character. He had what I like to call life-defining moments. And every one of us in here have life-defining moments. And you know what the problem with those are? You don't realize you're in one until it's already taken place. And you know what happens? You either pass or fail. And when you fail in the kingdom of God, God doesn't look at you after five, six years of you failing and say, man, we're just going to pass him on through. Not with God. You stay right there until you pass. And so each one of us, we need to be marinated in honor. We need to be marinated in, in uh, uh, character. So here, let me tell you what's happening. David is, is serving under the king, King Saul. David loved Saul. Saul was like a father figure to him. But Saul became very jealous of David, and da he wanted to kill David. Actually, David was his son-in-law. And Saul despised him. He was a threat to him. Now, pick up with me here, 1 Samuel 24, and we're going to see some life-defining moments here. Now, it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engadi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all the Israel and went to seek David, and his men were on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend himself. What's happening here is Saul, he drank too much coffee. So he goes into this cave, but he doesn't realize David and his men are in here. So it says David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. So guess what's going on here? David and his men are in the back of this cave, and Saul comes in, and they see his vulnerability. They're like, we hit the jackpot today, David. Today is the day you kill him. You dispose of him. Now think about this thought in our lives as human beings. Most of the time we have the thought, get them before they get me. And this is exactly what they're telling that Get him. Get him, get him, get him, get him, get him. But look what David does. He said, and David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Now think about this. Why would this have bothered David? David knew this. He dishonored him. But it says that he secretly cut off the robe. How many of you have ever noticed this in your life? When you have to do something secretly, there's probably something wrong with it. And I think this is what began to get David. Why didn't I just go ahead and go right on out and get him? If it didn't bother me, why did I have to sneak around? Now really get into this with me because David will begin to teach us some things. So David said to his men, The Lord, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to who? My master, the Lord's anointed. 
to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went his way. David also arose afterward, went out of the cave, and he called out to Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth, and he bowed down. Now notice right here, guys. Saul not only, uh, or David not only acknowledged and honored Saul in his, his private life, but in his public life. If you take note here, he acknowledged him with the words of his mouth, and he honored him and said, Saul, my Lord and my King. But think about what he did next. Right in front of all these men, he bowed his head before him in honor. Even though this man wanted to kill him. Now I've got to put myself in these shoes at times and I think, how would I have responded to that? See, David is in what we call a life-defining moment. And each one of us are in it, but David doesn't realize he's in that. Verse number 9, And David said to Saul, why do, why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look this day, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today in my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Think about what we talked about. You receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. You receive a prophet's reward. Keep reading verse 12. Moreover, my father. He addresses him a father. See, yes, the corner of your robe is in my hand. For in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. And I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. And there's two words that really, really jumped out there at me. He said, there's no evil or rebellion in my heart. Why did that jump out to you? Because I believe with all my heart that rebellion and evil are a byproduct of dishonor. How do you think that? Well, think about this. Maybe you're experiencing this in your home right now. When you have someone in your home that dishonors you, they rebel against you. Think about teenagers. They dishonor their mother and father there in, in Ephesians 6.1. What accompanies them? It's always rebellion. I'm not going to listen to them. I don't want to obey them. And so I think these are the two things that David begins. You can dishonor guys, but you've got to understand this. You lose a reward and there's going to be an evil that's released and a rebellion. Is that why there's so much rebellion in our society? I believe so. When you start dishonoring people, this is going to be the fruit of it. Verse 12. Let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on, but my hand shall not be against you. Turn over a couple pages to 1 Samuel 26. Now once again, I want to seed you with this. Before honor is humility. Every day we go through some life-defining moments on how we're going to honor people. You begin to see why I said, Lord, soak me in honor. Help me to be a man of honor. Now in David's life right here, I believe he's thinking, I'm glad this is over. I'm glad everything is going well again. I've already talked to him and everything's good. 
But look what happens here in 1 Samuel 26, verse 1. Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Geba, saying, Is David not hiding in the hill of Hakalah, opposite of Jesmond? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Hakalai, which is opposite of Jasmine, by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. Now, I, I read this, and I think, can you imagine the devastation in David's heart? And just as human beings, I think he probably thought, Father God, I honored you. I did what was right, and I didn't kill him, and this is the thanks I get. But once again, I believe this is character development. This is a life-defining moment, and God's trying to teach him, when you honor what I say to honor, you're going to be blessed. I'm going to take care of you. Now, I can stand before you today, and I've said, I, I, I've been in many life-defining moments, and I wish I could tell you I passed them all. I can tell you many of them I flunked. How do you know you flunked? How many of you have ever been in a situation where you thought, I should have been promoted? I should have got this. I should have got... And it didn't happen. When I look back at that, you know what it is most of the time? It's because my lack of honor. I dishonored. And just like Jesus wanted to bless him, he couldn't. This is what happened. So I remember... Life is going on, and I'm in a situation at work, and I'm sitting across the desk from my boss, and he tells me some things that I totally disagreed with. I thought what he was going to do to me was unfair and wrong. And as I sat there and I looked at him, I knew some things. That I've got to submit to this, even though I didn't agree, and so... I said, if that's what you think is best, then I'll do it. And I remember walking out to my truck that evening, and several of the guys I worked with said, that's wrong what they did to you. That's so unfair. Now, I had what I call a James 1.19 moment. Some of you really need to get this on the inside of you. What is James 1.19? Be swift to hear and slow to speak. I knew the Lord was saying, be quiet. Just hush. Don't get in there and start yakking with all the other employees. How many of you have ever, don't, don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever done that? Every one of us. That was the easy thing. That's what our human nature does. And so I left that day and I didn't understand everything, but I knew. And I just got to keep my mouth shut and honor what he said to do. Well, the proof of the pudding, the major test was when the next time I went back to work and I saw this man. Now, in my human nature, and I may be different than you, but I doubt it. You know what my thought was at first? I'm going to make sure he knows I hold a grudge against him. I'm going to make his life miserable for what he did. He offended me. And so the next time I got into his presence, I got there early, and it was just me and him. And you know what I did? I went up and shook his hand. I began to talk to him. Before long, other employees came in. I talked to him right in front of them with respect and honor. And I'm going to tell you guys, I didn't realize how much I was doing it to the Lord because everything within me was violating me. I thought, I shouldn't be letting him get off this easy. Have I mean, you ever thought that? 
every one of us. The four honors, humility. That man died three years ago in January. I get a call that they asked me to come to his memorial service. I said, I'd, I'd be honored to. I go into a room with just me and his wife, and I see the tears coming down her face, and she looks me in the eye and said, he wouldn't have wanted anybody else but you to do this. And I knew I'd been in a life-defining moment ten years before. And because I went ahead and honored him when I didn't want to. Once again, this is what David says over and over. I will not stretch my hand to God's anointed. He understood honor. So here he's in another life-defining moment. Saul's wanting to kill him, so look what happens. Verse 4. Therefore David sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and came to the place where Saul encamped, and David saw the place where Saul lay. And all his army was encamped about him. Verse 6. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishah the son of Zeru, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishah said, I will go down with you. Now this is important that you understand this because this guy named Abishah was one of David's generals. This guy named Abishah was a trained killer. He liked to shed blood. He's the one that you can read about a little bit later that with one spear he killed 300 men. So when he said, I need someone to go down, Abishah didn't reluctantly raise his hand. I believe he licked his chops and said, I'm your boy. He cherished moments like this. He was the definition of bad to the bone. I'm going to tell you, these guys were, they were rugged. Verse 7. So David and Abishal came to the people by night. And there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with a spear struck in the ground by his head. And Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishal said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. And you know what he's telling? Sick him. Get him. Self-defense, David. This will stand up in any court of law. Plus, you're the anointed king. This is promotion. So look what happens. Then Abishah said, Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth. And I will not have to strike him a second time. You know what? Please, please. I long for the, please. And he reassures David. It's only going to take one time, king. Because I'm going to jab him and I'm going to pin him to the ground. I mean, I think he's visualizing what he's doing. Can, I, can you imagine David's thought? This is going to be a little easier than I thought. This could be pretty good. But look at his response. Verse 9. But David said to Abishah, Do not destroy him, for who can stretch out the hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? You know what he understand? When I receive Saul, it's as if I receive the Lord. And when I honor what the Lord says to honor, there's a blessing even when it doesn't make sense. Many of you will be there where there's times in your life you're going to think, this doesn't make sense. But Father God, you said to honor. And I'm going to honor. Keep reading. Boys got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Verse 10. 
And David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him. Or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out in the battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hands against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. Wasn't going to do it. Now note something real clearly there in verse 11. But please take now the spear and the jug of water. He tells Abishab, please now go ahead and get that. You know why? We want proof again that we can tell him. I could have killed you, but I didn't. But look what happens in verse 12. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head. You know what I think? When he said to Abishag, go get it, he rethought that and thought, I can't do that to him. I don't believe if he gets the spear that he's capable of restraining himself, he'll kill him. And so David said, I better intervene here and I better go ahead and do it. So David takes the spear and the jug and, and in verse 13 it says, he went on to the other side of a hill. And he begins to yell out to Saul and all his men. And in verse 17 it says, Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my Lord and my King. He still honored him. He continued on. David understood honor, guys. I believe more and more, this is one of the reasons God said he's a man after my own heart. Verse 21, that same chapter, and I know I'm jumping for time. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. Saul repents to him. Verse 22, And David answered and said, Here is the king's spear. Let one of your young men come over and get it. Now, why is that important? I want some of you to listen to me today. Saul repented to David, and David forgave him. And Saul said, come back over here and, and bring me my spear. And if you'll notice there, David said, no, send one of your fellows over here, and I'll give it to him. Now, this is important. You understand this. It's one thing to forgive people, and we're commissioned to do that. It's another thing to trust them. Now, you know what? I can forgive them, but that doesn't mean i got to trust them. You know why I say that? Trust is character. How is trust come upon us? People earn trust. How do they earn trust? By doing the right thing over and over. So David was telling us something here. I forgive you, but I don't trust you. I've been there, guys. I've been there. See, it's like as a parent. When your children, you give them trust and you tell Now listen, Bobby, you be in at 10 o'clock. When Bobby comes in at 10.15, you know what you do? You grab him by the noose and you roll him in and say, You lost trust tonight, buddy. When I tell you to be in at 10, that's not 10.15, that's not 10.02. That's 9.57 if you want to gain some trust with me. See, that's exactly what happens with us. If you've lost trust, tell Father God, help me. To regain that trust. And this is what David was saying. Don't get caught up when people ask for your forgiveness and you forgive them. No, that doesn't mean you got to go on vacation with them. That doesn't mean you got to go to their birthday party. That doesn't mean you got to hang. Oh, crud, Pat, I don't want to hang out with them. He jabs me in the back every time I get around him. See, David understood that. Let me keep going. Verse 23. 
May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, now get this, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. You know what David was saying? Because I honored you today. God will honor me. God will honor me. And when you read the rest of this passage, Saul ultimately dies. He gets killed. And when David got news that Saul died, he didn't say, yes, the wicked witch is dead. He didn't say, yes. He mourned. And it broke his heart. And when you study David's life, when he became king, he took care of one of Saul's grandsons named Mephibosheth. And so I look at this over and over and over and over, and I think, this was a man who understood what God said. Now, you've got to go with me to two more passages real quick, and I'll move, I promise you. 1 Peter 2. I want you to see this. 1 Peter 2. David had life-defining moments, guys. You know what it was? Would he dishonor God by dishonoring Saul? No, nope, he wouldn't do it. And I believe this is important. 1 Peter 2, verse 17. 1 Peter 2, verse 17. They get there. Honor all people. Honor all people. I mean, I think it's big that we let this saturate us. That honor should flow out of us. Anytime we get around people. Do you have this perfected? Not even close. But I'm getting more and more aware of it. I mean, just when I look at people. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, the Christian fraternity. Fear God and honor the king. Now, why is this so important? Go over a page to 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. In other words, just don't talk about it, be it. Be, be courteous, be tenderhearted, be forgiving. Why is that so important? Verse 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, blessing. Why? Knowing that you were called to this. And on top of that, that you may inherit a blessing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Two things. We were called to this, and when I obey what I was called to this, once again, it releases a blessing. Even when I don't feel like it. Once again, guys, humility brings honor. It births something on the inside of us. I look back at my life, and there's times I think, man, I, I wish I could go back and relive, but I can't. And I say this to some of you young ones right now. Honor your mom and dad. Honor them. Because there's a blessing that it'll be well with you in long life. And, and, and even when you don't understand, 
Sometimes you think your parents are stupid. I used, when I was 14, I thought my dad was stupid. When I became 21, I thought, man, my dad is the wisest man in the world. What happened? I mean, I've been there. And I think of all the rebellion in my own life. And some of you, I mean, I can sit here and tell you stories, guys. I was so defiant to school teachers, to football coaches. I mean, I could tell you stuff I did, and I'm not proud of it. And I look and I think, how many things in my own life were not released because of dishonor? I'm asking God, I want to go through life honored. And when I put on that mask, when I put on my honor out, I enjoy life. I enjoy opening the door for someone and hearing them say thank you. And I think, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. To, to put the, the basket back in at Walmart. That's honor. You know why? When you just kick it out there in the middle of the parking lot, you're saying about that little bag, but he doesn't mean nothing. You act like you've done that. I have. And God deals with my heart on that. He'll tell, I'll hear him say, that is so dishonoring. And you know what my thought is? That's his job. That's what he's getting paid to do. I don't get paid to do that. That's a sorry attitude, isn't it? So are you getting better? I'm getting a lot better. And sometimes the voice of the Holy Spirit, because my wife will say, are you going to leave that basket there? And you know what I've said to her before? If you're so concerned about the basket, why don't you get out and put it up? Boy, you're an honoring man, aren't you? I'm just telling you the truth how I am. And God's working on me. I remember one night it was so cold and Man, the basket where you put them was down half a block, or at least it looked that way. It was a good excuse. I just kicked it up against the curb, and I got in. Started going down the street, and the Lord dealt with my heart. He said, you're really a man of honor, aren't you? He said, is your honor and obedience dictated by how cold it is? And then it hit me. It irritated me. You know, sometimes the Bible is annoyingly accurate. What'd you do, Pastor? Did you go on up? No. I pulled a U. I drove all the way back, pulled in, went and got it. I started getting other ones. Started putting them in there, just putting them in there. And I think people thought, man, look at that guy. He's working hard tonight. See, it's the little things we do, even in honor. And it's things that God said, man, just learn to be a man of honor. Just honor people. When you come around them, it's not that. Do- and I like it when I do it. Stand on your feet with me.